0: How to combat sexual addictions in your ministry. All this and more on Youth and Culture. Hey guys, thank you for uh, tuning in and listening to the podcast today. Today's uh, interview is actually a very, very uh, exciting interview for me, for the fact that uh, this is something that I'm extremely passionate about, um, extremely uh, because it's part of my past, things that I've struggled with in my past. Uh, so today's topic, we're going to actually be talking about uh, sexual addictions, that we're going to talk about that in relation uh, to student ministry. But before we get into that and talk about it a little bit, let's take a pause and listen to our sponsors. Youth and Culture is brought to you by Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is an online accountability and content blocking software for your mobile device or your computer designed to protect the entire family. Today, with 90% of boys and 70% of girls being exposed to pornography online and 56% of divorce cases listing porn use as a factor, it's more important than ever to protect your home. Click the link at the bottom of the show notes, sign up for Cub and Eyes, and start protecting your home today. This week, I had a great opportunity to get to talk to Ben McBride over at Covenant Eyes, and get to, got to talk to him about sexual addictions and sexual addictions in relation to student ministry. Uh, this is again, like I said, this is a passion of mine uh, that I have, and because partly has to do with my past, but also it has to do with the fact that the majority of teenagers that I talk to struggle in this area whether it's uh, looking at pornography. i deal dealt with counsel and, and mentor many guys in, in my youth group, in my student ministry, that struggle with this. And also I've, I've dealt with uh, girls uh, and guys both sending inappropriate pictures of each other through text or through Snapchat or another social media app. Um, I've also have uh, dealt with uh, f- of a female Addicted pornography, looking at pornography. So I've dealt with a wide range of this topic within my own student ministry. And I'm sure that a lot of you that are listening have dealt with this as well, because this is a common problem across our country. It doesn't matter if it's in the church, outside the church, if this is a major, major problem in our culture, a culture of it, because we have a sexualized culture. Everything is sexualized. And because of that, it has produced a lot of sexual addictions, especially with the Generation Z, because they have so much access to anything from their devices. So stay tuned and listen to this week's episode. guys, I'm super excited to be talking to Ben McBride. Uh, He is connected uh, to Covenant Eyes. He's actually a community coach there, and I won't uh, talk too much about what he does. I'll let him introduce himself. Uh, So Ben, how about you kind of introduce yourself, uh, your journey in in, uh, ministry as a whole, and your role in Covenant Eyes?
1: Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Uh, first of all, just thank you for reaching out to us and having me uh, be a part of your podcast. This is uh, exciting and uh, exciting to be able to reach out to uh, to youth pastors, especially. Uh, my journey began with Covenant Eyes uh, back in 2008. My wife and I had just gotten married. I had spent a year in youth ministry and I uh, decided I had enough of that for uh, for the for that season of my life. And um, God still had his hand on me. And of course, to, uh, you know, to continue connecting with youth and resourcing youth. Um, but yeah, I began, uh, I married a Michigan girl So, uh, wound up in Michigan in 2008, Uh, gas was four and a quarter, we were living in the middle of uh, rural Michigan and having to drive quite a ways to uh, look for work. And so, it was uh, a bit of a challenge, but uh, as providence would have it, God uh, ordered my steps to Covenant Eyes, I began working in customer support. It was really there that I began uh, really understanding the heart of the issue that uh, we deal with at Covenant Eyes. Many, uh, many parents uh, were, were calling in, expressing um, just the the uh, discouragement and, and really just being overwhelmed by uh, what their kids were getting involved in. Uh, couple that with also a great need that began uh, kind of uh, really uh ground swelling if you will from the church uh, community uh we had a lot of pastors and church leaders that were calling in and we and also that we've been working with uh from uh really the beginning of Covenant Eyes back in 2000 and the question was always this we understand that we can uh we can provide uh filters and uh and and certain limitations to content uh, but nothing really changes the heart um yeah and I, I give the example when I was when I was 3 years old I I was playing in the backyard with my my neighbor. Uh, he was two at the time, and uh, my uh, our babysitter at the time. His his mom happened to turn her back on us, and we found a, a break in the fence and ended up going on a two mile journey. And uh, and so that that shows the fault with fences. And so filters, unfortunately, are quite a bit like fences. And so I was uh, really captivated by the idea of accountability uh explored accountability first when I was in college and uh, to be able to work with Covenant Eyes and helping to promote accountability was a huge uh blessing to me especially at that time in my life. You know it was really awesome about um you know not many guys can uh you know can have this to their credit but I began using Covenant Eyes um the a week before I got married. Uh, had never heard of Covenant Eyes before. I started working at Covenant Eyes. So my wife and I got married uh, August 22nd, uh, 2008. I began working at Covenant Eyes actually August 1st of 2008. So I began. Uh, so they actually let me go on my on a honeymoon and you know let me get married. And they were incredibly kind about that. And uh, but Covenant Eyes has been a very generous, very very gracious company to work for. But what we tell people often is that we are a um, you know, we you know we are a for-profit company with the heart of a ministry, and we have done a fantastic job I would say over the past you know, decade that I've been with Covenant Eyes uh, of continuing to cycle our resources back into the development of our software and our educational resources, and so um, I I have the privilege now uh, you know fast forward ten years my wife and I uh, planted a church. Three years ago, um, it's been an absolute. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine doing this in any other field, where I was maybe selling cars and trying to uh, pastor a church. But Covenant Eyes has also been very gracious and uh, and demonstrated personally in my life their heart for the church and wanting to um, not not just uh, resource their employees and and, you know, and be a blessing to us, but also. Get behind us as we've uh, we've been able to plant a church here locally, and uh, and yeah, see see the Great Commission unfold. And so we've been uh, blessed to be at that for three years now. Um, but yeah, and, and so to kind of rewind a little bit, I actually spent uh, an additional five years in youth ministry here in Michigan. And so I've you know had um, you know both the um, you know being able to uh, see. You know what's going on in you know in in the realm of of purity and uh, helping people avoid the pitfalls of uh, sex addictions and so forth from uh, youth ministry, um, you know and on into um, lead pastoring and so I, I've I've been able to see that kind of evolve and you know I've had the you know in being in in a pastoral ministry right now you know it being able to resource my men and, and the families in our church has been a blessing as well uh, so yeah that's um, i guess my ministry uh and journey uh so far to date and uh you know we're just getting started here so we're excited for what god has for us uh, in in the years to come for sure
0: yeah absolutely and and guys those of you who are listening uh ben's uh We've been we've been working together for uh, setting up covenant uh, eyes uh, here locally where I'm located at. I think we've been talking back and forth and working together for. 6 months so maybe a little longer than that.
1: Yeah, we've uh, yep, yep, give or take a few um I believe we we were first in contact back in 2017 and uh yeah so yeah you know, the the gestation and you know coming around to uh you know, beginning to really address the issues I think started back in uh about 6 months ago. Uh, but yeah, Ryan, it's it's been a been a blessing walking with you through that and through some of your um you know some of your uh strategies and, and what you're hoping to accomplish there locally at Hyde Park. Um, you know, uh, you uh, mentioned you know what what am I actually doing here at Covenant Eyes now? So I am a part of of a uh, a division of Covenant Eyes uh, that works with uh, with churches. We're called the Communities uh, Program Communities Project, and I'm a Communities Coach. And so I work with churches strategically to address um, plans and. Policies and implementation of Covenant Eyes on a local church level, uh, among staff, uh, among uh, ministry throughout ministry channels. So, if that be your men's ministry, youth ministry, uh, family ministries, small groups, and so forth, we've uh, we work with churches to identify those areas of need and and address those uh, accordingly. And so we've been, uh, the community's Project has been live for three years now, and we've uh, seen some really awesome, uh, awesome progress with churches that we're working with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, personally, I've been working with, I've been part of Covenize, uh, I would say, uh, pretty much th- almost in the onset of Covenize. I had it when I was a teenager. Uh, so I've had it, I've been involved in Covenize probably for the last uh, 15, uh, 17 years. Uh, heavily involved, Covenant Eyes very much uh, it's very much been a tool uh, in my life as well. So I'm very excited to see uh, where y'all are going uh, as a company and helping churches be involved in, in accountability and uh, kind of being a resource to pastors as a whole. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, so uh, one question I have for you is: is being um, in the realm of sexual addictions is being proactive? Rather than reactive, more effective in fighting sexual addictions.
1: Well, absolutely. You know, there's an Indian adage that goes, uh, "An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure." So, if you can identify maybe some of those uh, inclinations and in helping to you know sharp some of the uh, you, know, you know if it be impulsive behaviors, you know that that you know kind of veer off into that lane of uh, of you know your, your sexual activities, then Absolutely, and so it it can be a bit tricky identifying that. Um, And I I assume that you're speaking to, um, speaking to youth right now. Um, Although, of course, it would it would be uh, I think appropriate also to address the issue among youth leaders because sometimes that can be uh, I mean, well, obviously a huge hindrance to uh, to the ministry, but it can oftentimes uh, keep the subject insulated. Whereas I believe, you know, the Lord would use that as you know, to, to create uh, what we would call uh, champions of weakness or giving others the gift of going second. So I think, you know, addressing the issue early on, head on is the only way to, uh, to, to to deal with it. And I would say at that point, it isn't really, I mean, once you get to the point of sexual addiction, I mean, you're like, you're, you are in, in reaction at that point. You're, you're, trying to, you know, you're trying to dial things back. And that's a very difficult place to, to come back from.
0: Yeah, I guess in my context and many other uh, youth leaders I come in contact with, uh, one thing a lot of times I hear, and specifically when it's more towards uh, the parent side of things rather than uh, for church ministry-wise, but one of the things I constantly hear is that uh, parents as a whole, when you mention uh, accountability, uh, you mention a resource like Covenant Eyes, uh, being proactive and making sure you have parental controls on the phones. Mm-hmm. A lot a lot, of, a lot, of parents, sadly, that I come in contact with, that uh, people I know in ministry come in contact with, a lot of parents aren't willing, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, whether it be ignorant, don't know how to, or just flat out don't see a need for it. And so there's, there's not really, I don't see much proactiveness in preventing sexual addictions uh it's more of a what i see more of is being reactive when there's already addiction in place uh do you see some of that come across in uh things that when it comes to covenant eyes what y'all deal with
1: yeah absolutely um i would say that the you know over the course of my time with covenant eyes and the, the parents that i've spoken to over the years um it would it would appear to me, it seemed you know, it it would it would seem to me that those who I've spoken with are more proactive. Um there and again, you know, there there are gonna be some some uh, symptoms that are exhibited there that would make a, a parent, you know, go ahead and, and become more proactive. Um so let's say you know there, there's maybe an incident happened and you know now the parent's taking action. Um it's it's responsive, but it's definitely I would say proactive. If you take the you know the if you take this down the gambit to sexual addiction, um, what I've seen more often is that when parents are diligent about having conversations and addressing these issues relationally, technologically addressing them technologically is just that's the logical next step. So when a parent is is engaged you know in the space of their their child's life and you know really wanting to uh know their child and you know and and have that relational um you know strength and you know and you know collateral if you will to be able to you know continue guiding them and and helping them grow as humans um you know this is a you know it is a logical next step is that you know i I understand that there are dangers you know Outside the house, and unfortunately, because of the internet, you know the dangers are inside now too. And so I need to figure out how to, uh, you know, make sure that my kid isn't drowning or getting swept out to sea, figuratively speaking, uh, when it comes to you know those kind of dangers. So, yeah, I was, and I think, yeah, like I said, it's been. it's been encouraging to see that more parents have come to us you know proactively um wanting to you know get ahead of the issue and uh in addressing it and so um another way that I would that we've seen that happen is that you know we've we've had several parent um you know parent uh you know education nights that have been well attended uh We'll have Christian schools or churches that will put on events to uh, to address the issue of of dangers with technology in the home, especially technology that's issued from schools or might be available at at churches. Um, you know, it is uh, it's definitely uh, it's worth it's worth addressing and worth you know uh, you know getting ahead of the the narrative in that in that regard. Um, but yeah, I think you know parents are busy; they've got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, there's you know get, you know sports and Extracurricular activities, and you know, I, I don't blame parents, wouldn't blame parents for you know, uh, not knowing the issue was going on, you know, just because of or, or not addressing it, um, you know, sooner. Um, but I think you know, parents, you know, just by virtue of, of how, how busy their lives are, um, you know, don't know about the issue or really how serious it is until it does come to the surface. But I think it's, it's being able to guide them and help them, you know, when it does come to the surface to the you know, appropriate action,
0: absolutely. Uh, what are some? What do you think are some strategies that maybe uh, youth leaders uh, can implement in the ministries that kind of combat uh, pornography and sexual addictions? Either partnering with parents, how how do? You, what kind of strategy do you think that we as youth youth leaders can actually implement in our ministries that can help combat all this?
1: Yeah, I think I think uh, parent meetings, connection connecting with parents, a huge strategy is partnering with parents to. Uh, to, you know, you're you're actually partnering with them to disciple their kids, so they're they're the primarily primary disciple makers. And I think it's important that you know, any youth pastor, um, you know, gets a good grip of on that early on. That you're partnering with parents in the discipleship of their children, and so this is just one of those check boxes that uh, you know in modern ministry, knowing that. Um, the the sex talk you know talks of purity talks of um you know uh you know protecting your body guarding your body as the temple of god and you know, how to honor yourself and, you know how to honor your bodies and honor the bodies of those um, you know around you is really important but involving parents in that there's some really great uh great resources out there that um that Parents can use to address the issue. We actually produce one in house. It's called Equipped, and that's raising godly digital natives. Uh, and so that's all about you know how do we help equip this generation to deal with um, deal with yeah, sexual issues. Against a digital backdrop, Um, yeah, we you know we talk about how we need to have these conversations early and often. So have have, having the conversations early on, and as often as possible. I mean, you don't want to make like a subject at the dinner table every night, but um, it's important. You know, I think for parents to to be resourced in the area, and that's I I believe a youth pastor's uh, job and should be their joy is to resource parents, and so. However, frequently you're connecting with parents, um, make it a point to connect with them on this issue um, that they need, to, they need to know what the dangers are and they need to know what kind of protective measures can be put in place to make sure that their children are staying within those healthy boundaries um, that you know, honor God and honor their parents and, and the relationships around them.
0: Yeah, that kind of leads in uh, to the next thing I want to ask you is, is, is what, what do you think are some strategies that. Uh, parents can do to kind of fight against uh, sex addictions or fight against uh, their kids being exposed uh, to pornography and, and other things as well, either on a device, uh, media. What, what do you think some strategies are for parents?
1: Yeah, I think a, a great one is to, uh, you know, for parents to set set calendar dates to talk with their kids about these kind of issues. That way, they're, you know, they're not just kind of doing it on the whim. They're not, you know, just as the occasion presents itself you know i'm going to talk with my kid about it um that's far often too late um so what we you know what we've you know, I've, uh, sam black he has done a great job he's one of our vps for uh, development at Covenant eyes and he frequently speaks to uh homeschoolers uh homeschool crowds and and youth and and so one of the things he really pushes is having having talks with your kids early and often um so you know, being able to you know not wait until the kid comes to you to say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this, and so it's safe to assume that it's not a matter of when uh, your child's looking at porn, um, not not if they look at porn, but when they look at porn, and so kind of preparing yourself, like, hey, you know, they're going to be exposed to this at some point. What am I going to do in that moment? Um, one, don't freak out. Uh, two. Um, make your home a safe place, make that relationship with them a safe place. You know, they'll pick up on, like, oh man, they're, you know, like this. I knew I shouldn't have told mom and dad about this. Um, but really, you know, you want to almost preempt it a little bit um, with conversations, you know, with, you know, as early as as 11 and 12, just, you know, it, making it age appropriate. Say, hey, you know, how are you doing at school? You know, are you, is anything happening on the bus, you know, that is making you feel uncomfortable? Um, you know, or you know, just, it, you know, get them open, get them talking about it. If you got to take them out, out of, uh, you know, the home, the context of the home, you know, get, you know, go out and get a, you know, get a ice cream or something like that. Just, you know, talk with them and, um and, you know, they'll open up and they'll, you know, they'll begin sharing with you. And I think what's important, you know, for every parent to know is that they're always an, Always will be the strongest, loudest voice in their kids' lives um you know I think about my parents, I think about how much I still love and respect their counsel and their wisdom and uh you know if I got a huge you know decision I gotta make, I go to them and i'm thirty nine years old and so it's it's kind of funny yeah you know, I think uh, you know, but they're still very important in my life and and so parents need to know that they're you know they still are the loudest voice in their kids' life um and you know will be for a long time um so yeah, that if so things that parents can do is just you know don't 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 keep your head in the sand you know look around you know it's just because you you know, you homeschooled your kid for you know uh you know all through high school you know doesn't mean that they're not going to get into this and and if they don't know that they can come to you and talk about these issues you know that's that's going to put them down a road uh that it's going to be very difficult to come back from
0: yeah, one thing going off of kind of what you said, because uh, you made a good point. Because that, everything you're saying is, is basically encouraging parents to be proactive. Um, don't wait. And just being proactive in your kids' lives, investing, talking. Uh, one thing, one advice I do, and uh, again, my my whole entire past uh, is is in, is involved and dealt with sexual addictions. So one thing I, I tell, uh, make sure my parents understand. Is that when you give a kid a smartphone, uh, give them a smartphone, you're giving them access, free access uh, to information, uh, to whatever information they want. Uh, but some of that information can be bad. So if you give it to them with no uh, no restrictions, no parental controls whatsoever, you're almost, in a sense, give them a Red X movie and saying here. Um, and so uh, one thing I encourage parents to do is is uh, to kind of gauge your kid's uh, maturity based off of are really mature enough to handle a smartphone uh, my my advice because i 'm a i 'm a, a youth pastor, my advice is if your kid is in middle school they 're not mature enough for a smartphone yeah uh, the average middle schooler, i don 't believe is really mature enough to handle a smartphone um, even in high school there 's you got to again you have to gauge your your kid 's spiritual maturity uh this overall maturity can they even handle in high school, but you have to gauge that as a parent mm-hmm. and have those conversations uh, with your kid. Like I've not me as a parent. Again, I have young kids. I have a seven year old and I have a four year old. Me and my wife have already talked and we both agree that we don't want our kids having a smartphone. Um, maybe when they can, they can tell us, they can show us them enough at a certain point in high school, but we've made that commitment uh just because it's it's uh, so easy to go around printer controls, mm-hmm. uh, so easy to go around. Um, even even having something like Covenant, if you if you really want to get around something, you can't. And so that has to do with the maturity and the conversation, being proactive as a parent, uh, but engage. I just engage where your kids are at, and being proactive in that
1: yeah absolutely that's a great point ryan you know, one of the one of the um i guess indicators you know is your child's getting older too is what how are they how are they handling other responsibilities that you're giving to them are they demonstrating you know a, a high level of ownership when it comes to um you know uh, guarding you know uh, uh follow, you know just being um you know, following following within the boundaries of of rules that you've set for them, um, and I think a lot of times you know you you get the you you'll get kicked back, um, but at the end of the day, you know you you still know that your you know that your kid is still in your corner, and and so there so hopefully there is a a sense of like of being able to gauge or you know graduated, um, you know uh, processing of a child you know from you know. Uh, from elementary to middle school to junior high to high school, and you can think in terms of you know are they how how old are they before they start realizing hey you know what if I I, I can begin working for a living I can begin um, you know I I understand that my decisions have an impact on my family and my relationships, and uh, this kind of goes with filtering too. So you know as you think about fil- like putting filtering filters on your your child's internet use It's kind of like training wheels for the internet for a, for a child as they get older you know you want to you know take those training wheels off uh accountability i believe is is for a lifetime just because of how you know pervasive technology is and how um, you know saturated uh technology is with with opportunity to look at pornography um, uh, accountability should guide a child you know with that awareness that hey my decisions have a huge impact on 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 my outcomes and so what they, you know, hopefully will begin to realize early on that as as they're walking in accountability, and mom and dad are getting reports that, that are showing, you know, what's going on there with that activity, um, they can be entrusted with more responsibility, uh, or responsibi- or that kind of that trust is is brought back in and say, you know what, son, daughter, you know. A, you you've you haven't been able to you know, prove to us that you can one have a job two, have a car you know as as you think about how we entrust you know responsibility to our kids as they get older um you know it's very true with the with with smartphones like how much more like how much more damaging uh, can a, could a smartphone be in the hands of a of a of a child who cannot skillfully or developmentally um, you know are they prepared to actually use something like that so um, so those are just some thoughts there on you know being able to you know, identify where your child is at some of those corresponding responsibilities might look like hey can they hold down a job right now uh, are they making their bed in the morning you know uh, are they keeping up the chores in the house are they are they um, honoring their their mother and father in the conversations are they you know in the attitudes that they're displaying uh you know are they growing in the Lord you know those those kind of uh, indicators you know would be i think good in in route to actually saying hey you know what i think you I think you'd be trusted with a uh, a smartphone that has covenant eyes on it completely locked down (laughs) um but yeah i I agree with you ryan it is it's it it can be very scary knowing what you know and giving a high-powered device like a a smartphone to a child who is uh, developmentally unprepared to contend with that kind of uh responsibility
0: yeah that just uh just sitting here uh us talking and maybe think of uh just in the last week uh my seven-year-old uh came to me and asking for a phone and i was like, why are you asking for a phone and he was talking about how someone in his class or somebody he knows uh has a smartphone so he was asking for a smartphone so i had to sit him down and even i've been doing this for the last year to sit my kids down even as young as they are just saying you're not getting a smartphone and just kind of saying why and and Anyways it amazes me how how much parents give how many parents give young children at, at even I've seen kids even at the age of 5 having a smartphone um just kind of blows my mind a little bit. uh another another thing I want to ask you is what are some common signs of a porn addiction
1: yeah that's a, that's a great question um you know we have some great blog articles uh it, it, the Coven blog that uh, go into more depth on that. I think some common ones are just the uh, withdrawing uh, from you know uh, from real like I mean like there are pers- signs that you can see outwardly. Uh, for instance, for for parents, especially among between moms and sons, there is a uh, there there is there can be visible signs of aggression of um, you know just a you know. A mom who had a very close relationship with her son now seems to be like there's this friction there. And I've heard that over and over, you know, my son was just acting really weird. He was just, you know, like always in a bad mood and, and, you know, come to find out, you know, he, he'd been looking at porn. And yeah, that's a, that's a huge sign of of pornography addiction, especially, you know, um, when you get into sex addiction you'll be able to grade where people are at in you know what is classified as a sexual addiction we actually have um, I, I'll just read the definition for it here and uh, you know, so defining it um, sex addiction refers to a range of sexually related compulsive behaviors that significantly interfere with normal living and cause severe negative impacts on relationships including family friends and loved ones so that is a, a I mean, a pretty good, you know, rule of thumb there, but what you're looking for is impact, you know, departing from, you know, departure from someone's normal behavior, signs of, you know, fatigue and, you know, just, you know, kind of getting burned out and, you know, but I think also, you know, for somebody who's like, you know, trying to determine whether or not they're addicted sexually, you know, to, we'll just say pornography, is that, you know, there are a few things that they go through here is one, I, I cannot control or decrease my sexual thoughts and actions. Uh, the inability to um, uh, focus on normal everyday tasks, because they're being bombarded by sexual thoughts. Um, people who are abused when they are young, uh, sexually abused when they're young, are more likely to fall into sexual Sexual addictions and pornography addictions as well. Um, So, uh, taking significant risks and trying to live out sexual fantasies, um, being overwhelmed by shame, guilt, regret uh, after sexual encounters. Um, And I think it's just that, like, you know, really the, the shrinking of the soul. I mean, that is the biggest indicator personally is that, you know, you, um, you know for an individual who is obsessed yeah i think it was elias smith uh he was a preacher at the turn of the century turn of the tw- uh, 20th century uh, late 1800s he uh, i guess that'd be the 19th century 20th century anyway um he said this um that the 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 heart the soul will always obsess over its supreme affection and um the heart contracts or expands according to the size of, of that affection. And so the soul being the life, you know, being the really, you know, the, um, you know what uh, makes life different from, uh, you know, for a human is, is, you know, apart from being an animal is that you have these consequences that, you know, you have to deal with and you can be, um, you know that you're meant for more, but you're settling for less constantly and i think that that goes you know that can cross lanes into so many other addictions and preoccupations dispositions of the heart uh, that uh anything that is uh that would steal away from the life of god in you that, you know that is uh that's worth serving notice to and um but i think you know when it comes to this one specifically because it's so uh tied to our physiology uh it is especially complicated um, so, you know, there's a lot that goes into the neurology of, you know, how, you know, how people's brains are wired and what happens, you know, during sexual encounters, encounters with pornography and encounters with other people, um, you know, that would, uh, and I think the, the more intense somebody's religious upbringing that, that determines, you know, what is right and wrong in your life, you know, that your moral caliber, um, also determines really like how, uh, what is uh sex addiction so uh it is being classified as a problem this is not who i am this is not who i was created to be i know better um but i keep getting pulled back into this that's especially sensitive among people who have who would view um pornography as being you know a uh, uh an immoral activity uh, there are people in um you know in you know society that would not view looking at pornography as immoral um but they would view it as you know a, an issue that is distracting to them uh an issue that is physiologically impairing to them as they experience things like erectile dysfunction uh you know due to um you know overexposure to pornography and uh and so and just to give you a, a quick snippet I think this hopefully drives the point home i was um Talking with a uh, was a French Canadian uh, f- uh, videographer, um, you know, not well known by any means, but he was just somebody who made a decent living out of um, you know, producing uh, film and and so forth, not porno- pornographic films, but he was addicted to pornography and. Uh, could care less about God, could care less about um, how pornography was affecting his relationship. In fact, I don't think it even was. I think his partner was completely fine with him looking at pornography. What was so um, devastating to him and his pain point, and that's really what you got to figure out is what's your pain point? What, what point in this process does this become, you know, a uh, Something that needs to be addressed and needs to be kind of pivoted on, you know I need to turn back from and you start getting help um, for him, that was a loss of about three hundred thousand dollars in income due to lack of productivity, and that was just over the course of like a year and a half and so for him that you know it 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 was money for others it's you know i think the I think the biggest and the the most the brightest point that anybody could ever say no that's enough is when they realize that it is it's impacting affecting their relationship with god and uh, we actually had a i'm gonna keep going here we can move on to the next point but we thought those really fascinating we did a a survey across our membership at covenant eyes and and discovered that that was the number one issue why people use covenant eyes was because it was affecting their relationship with god
0: no absolutely yeah um it's kind of, it's kind of interesting you you brought up the point because um, I totally agree uh one of one of the main things uh I think about when of the common sides of uh, a porn addiction is is anger is attitude mm-hmm. um, attitude change and anger because it it uh not only is there enough data to back this up, enough research to back it up uh, but it's also very evident in in my life um like i got i got exp- i had a sexual addiction early on, uh, between, between ages nine and 10, uh, very early on. That's again, this is before smartphones. This is before, uh, really, uh, before cable internet, uh, before all of that. And I would just, I was, would go find my mom's magazines and Belk's magazines back in the day, uh, with, uh, girls dress in lingerie and do find whatever I can find. And, um, and that can develop into eventually. When I was exposed to porn, actual pornography later on, a few years later, uh, turned into more of a porn addiction at that time, uh, and it, was, it affected my attitude um, and it affected. I was actually more depressed. I would say depressed and suicidal uh, when I was in middle school. Now I remember just going to my tell my dad that I feel like I'm demon possessed. Mm. Like I have no control over myself, over my actions, and uh, I my dad looking at me and telling me, you can't be demon possessed and saved. And that's when it kind of clicked on me. I never actually gave my heart to Christ. Uh, I never surrendered to him. So it's a uh, part of my past uh, led to me. Uh, the sexiest actually, actually led uh, me giving my heart to Christ. That's and, awesome. Um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, so I totally agree. And again, I, I was freed from it for a period of time. Uh, but like any addiction just just like if you're an alcoholic in a sense you're always an alcoholic it takes one drink to fall right back into it same thing with porn Uh, it takes one exposure uh, and fall right back into it and so uh, there was a time when i was in high school where i was falling back into it and during that period of time and it's interesting that you talk about uh, relationships with your mom uh, my relationship with my mom specifically in 10th grade was horrific Uh, i'm talking about i was screaming at my mom. Anger issues so bad to where my mom uh, looked at me and was just bawling, crying, and just told me that we're we're basically we're thinking about going to anger management at something to that point. Uh, I was it was just a horrible period uh, where my relationship with my mom. Um, but so so I totally agree. Your your there's two things I would point out is is anger. Uh, next thing that is really relevant. Uh, really for an introvert if you're an introvert and you're struggling with pornography addiction is you is isolation uh you're to me what i've seen in my experience uh you're very prone to isolate yourself mm-hmm. um and so it's absolutely so, so anger i most definitely agree with that uh but what what do you think is is a common myth uh that you think maybe uh people have when it comes to realms of pornography
1: uh that it's primarily a, a male problem Uh, that that's probably the biggest myth right now is that pornography that my my daughters aren't dealing with this issue um you know that that's probably the biggest one um not to get into too much detail about that but it you know we uh you know our our stats show that about about 30 percent of of women christian women deal with pornography addictions so this is a a growing issue especially among college-age women um, we serve several, uh, several women, um, you know, thousands, uh, through Covenant Eyes, uh, who are, you know, dealing with this, at least know that this is an issue. I spoke with a, uh, a young lady who oversaw campus ministry uh, a couple years ago. And, uh, you know, we were just visiting with my wife and I, uh, friend in ministry. And, uh, and she said, yeah, you wouldn't believe what a, what a big problem pornography is among, among women. And back then I was like, yeah, right. Um, Almost ten years ago um and so I know that the problem has grown even more um so yeah that's a big one is is uh you know that it's not just a male issue another uh, another common myth too I, th- I don't know if it's a myth or not but um you know the the that what you're doing as a as a young person does like won't impact your life down the road um as you, when you're young, you have very little that you're responsible for. However, you know those, um, the involvement with pornography, what that does in the wiring of your brain, and you know, and the expectations it puts in you for uh, future sexual uh, expression with your spouse, um, or however you you're, you're trying, you you choose to uh, live that out, it will have devastating effects. Um, you know, f- you know, for instance, you know, the older you get, you have, you know, you have your, um, you know, when you're a child, you obviously under, you're, you're taken care of by your parents, you know, everything's, you know, somewhat, uh, automated when you're, when you're young. Um, but as you get older, you get into college and you, know, you meet your wife, uh, your, you know, young professional life and you, you've met your wife, you know, you have really between the ages of, of, you know, uh, zero to 26, when your brain is in its highest state of plasticity, it's, uh, your prefrontal cortex is being, uh, is being formed. Uh, that's what controls your higher order of thinking. Uh, what so tells you, um, uh, enough is enough. Uh, I've had too many, I've had too much. I've, you know, I need to, uh, I need to really think this through because if I do this, then, you know, it will, produce this outcome. And so it's really what, what guides your decisions, uh, in the context of consequences. So when you're young, you don't really have that much, like you don't understand what the consequences are. Now you take that down the road, you know, into your, your twenties, thirties. So you have, um, you know, young couples who are trying to work out, you know, maybe some of the, um, you know, some of the, you know, maybe the young man, you know, the young man is trying to, you know, to you know, put to death, you know, the, his desire for pornography, thinking that when he got married, that it would all go away. And that's another huge myth, by the way, in route to where I'm going with this, um, that if I get married, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lust anymore. Um, you know, that is a huge, huge lie. Um, when you get into marriage, in fact, it's probably going to intensify even more because a lot of those fantasies are going to be, you know, dashed on the rocks, because you're trying to live them out in, in, you know, in a relationship that, that is in covenant to God, that he designed to operate a, another way. That's not about pleasing yourself, but about pleasing your wife and about laying your life down for her. And uh, in doing that, you know, you, you experience the grace of God that allows, you know, gives you a, a, a total faithful, fruitful marriage, um, you know, sexually relation, you know, uh, intimately, um, all those things come into play, but pornography will undermine that. And sexual addictions, you know, th- those things will carry into marriage if they're not dealt with early on. If you're not honest about it before even getting into marriage, um, you know, you keep going down the road there. You begin having kids, and you know those issues are not taken care of. Well, you just brought another, you brought more humans into the equation that will most likely repeat the cycle that you're already presenting to them. That pattern is something that will be presented to you. Your children eventually, if it's not dealt with, um, if it continues to intensify, you're going to be dealing with uh, employment issues in the ministry. Um, that gets teased out exponentially because not only are you dealing with everything that we've already mentioned here, but you're dealing with a public life now that uh, happens to be your livelihood. It happens to be um, your your fellowship, your 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 church family, um, and it and it happens, and it will also teeter on your faith. Um, and so these kind, you know, those, um, you know, kind of maxims, if you will, are uh, will be impacted directly if pornography is not addressed early on. And so that's you know kind of teased out, and I think intensified for people who are in the ministry, uh, because if it isn't dealt, and you can, you'd resonate with this, Ryan. I know um, if it's not dealt with early on, wow, it will have catastrophic results, in, in terms of you know your livelihood, your ministry, your community. Um, you know, and your yeah your church family um but i mean most importantly i think your your own family and in the that first circle that god's really given you to to steward
0: yeah i kind of want to go off uh something you said it's a very good point um that i absolutely agree it's just is we some most people think that women do not struggle with pornography um in our culture and the, and the it's absolutely not true even uh, last year i had an opportunity to speak at a camp and uh as i was speaking at that camp i had a a small group leader uh uh, come up to me and was talking about someone a girl a young girl in her small group who was addicted pornography and just asking me advice what do i do with this situation and um it was kind of to me it was the first experience i've ever come across with a female being addicted pornography uh, but it's it's absolutely, when we look at statistics research, it's almost getting close to being even, uh, closer and closer, inching closer and closer when it comes to uh, male and female struggling uh, with pornography. Uh, one thing that you said that I absolutely agree with and I have just briefly hit on is uh, having a belief that pornography will go away when you get married. Is just a total lie. <laughs> it, it, if anything, like you said, it gets worse. Because um, Satan's trying to do whatever he can to completely destroy your marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that, that kind of breaks me. Uh, I just want to briefly talk about this. And, and, and those of you listening may, may think I'm crazy and I go overboard. Uh, but that's, that's okay. Um, but what I have to do, what I do personally for me is I do not want any freedom Whatsoever in this area of my life. Um, That's the reason when you when you look, I have a smartphone, uh, but my smartphone, of course, has Covenant ice for accountability. Uh, My my report sent to my wife; she knows everything that I'm everywhere I'm on my phone. Same thing with my any device I have, my computer, and all that. On top of that, all my phones has printer controls. All my devices have printer controls. I don't know the password. Um, I don't. I can't. I can't get on Safari. The only thing I can use is Covenant Eyes web browser, Uh, and also uh, I can download apps. I can't delete apps, and that's I do all that because I don't want freedom. I want my wife to be able to look and see what everything I'm doing, uh, see everything I download, uh, because I don't want freedom in that area. Because here's here's how my philosophy. To not have freedom in this area in reality gives me freedom.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good. I don't
0: have I don't have to sit here and worry and be concerned about and about constantly about my thought life and about uh, being ex- randomly being exposed to something uh, on my phone or on the internet. Uh, I don't have to worry about that because I don't have the freedom to look at stuff whatever I want to. Um, so, it's, it's a, again, it may sound extreme to some of those who are listening, uh, but, to, again, to me, what, what's important to me is my relationship with God, ultimately, and my relationship with my wife and my family. So, by not having freedom, it's going to give me freedom in the long run.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Um, one, one last question I'm going to ask you is, is what what is one piece of advice that you can give— uh, youth leaders uh, in relation to combating or uh, help, helping fight uh, per, uh, this, per, this sexuality in general, being their kids being exposed to sexual addictions, pornography, what's some advice you can give youth leaders?
1: I, I don't know how to put this. I'll just give you my own story. Back when I was a youth leader, youth pastor, um, I would wait till an Acquire the Fire event before— uh, I found out that, you know, some of my key leaders, key, you know, student leaders were uh involved in pornography. And I was just thought, you know, to me that was very um I just felt like, you know, I work for this amazing company. I should know better. Um but get the conversation started. Um if there are people that you're currently walking with, um nobody like nobody is immune to temptations. And when you throw in the anonymity the accessibility and the affordability of pornography um in the realm of temptation like that is a like that's that's virtually impossible to resist for for a young person and so if you identify um you know identify i think i think this would have to do with um you know focus on the ones who um who do have like a clear evident calling on their life um you know you will Spend your energy, um, you know, trying to chase down kids who you know are looking at porn. Um, but what if you had the opportunity to maybe raise up some champions, some other student leaders who uh, have identified the problem in their own life, and maybe this is you know an opportunity for you to share your story uh, to give them the gift of going second. But I think that yeah, I would focus on developing leaders uh, who. Have who have addressed this issue in their life and are also walking in continual accountability in this area. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, second piece of advice is um, don't just rely on technology to fix the issues. If you're going to rely on technology, um, use Covenant Eyes. Rely on us. Um, It is uh, our screen accountability is fantastic and what it is able to. to do in identifying pornography. It is based on an artificial intelligence that uh, took us about four years to develop as a company. We have uh, three uh, PhD data scientists uh, working on that project to develop the technology to help um, provide a a cleaner, stronger accountability for people on the different platforms that we cover, the uh, MacBook, the Windows, iOS, Android, and so that is a tool. This is a a, a device that will be powerfully useful uh, in helping your students walk in accountability. I would recommend uh, connecting with their parents to use Covenant Eyes in the home as a uh, family discipleship tool. We have uh, we have plan our plan one plan one price is fifteen ninety nine a month, and it covers the entire home um, with the permission of parents. Students, uh, student ministries can use the same plan to uh, to provide protection for student leaders and for people who who need help in that area. Uh, so feel free; you can reach out to me, and I'll be glad to talk more with you. But yeah, um, that one piece of advice—sorry—that is uh, just don't assume that everyone's just fine. Uh, ask the questions. You know, dig in, dive in. Don't be afraid to get, uh, to get in their business about these issues because it will, uh, it will get to them sooner or later. And if you can address the issue on this side of the story, uh, it's going to be a win for you, a win for them, a win for the ministry. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, get the conversation started guys.
0: That's absolutely great. I totally agree, man. Uh, if, it, if somebody wanted to get connected with you, either ask more questions about uh, either strategies and how to, to uh, either educate parents or educate their students on the realm of pornography and sexual addictions, what's the best way to get contact with you?
1: Yeah. Email is always the best way to contact me. I do have, I keep limited hours at covenant eyes because I am by vocational, uh, in ministry. Uh, but yeah, by email, I, I'm pretty easy to get, get in touch with by email. We can set up a phone call if, if needs be. Um, so McBride at covenant com is going to be the best way to get a hold of me.
0: Well, Ben, man, I really do appreciate you coming out of the podcast and kind of just, uh, educating us a little bit about how to combat, uh, this growing problem, of, uh, sexual
1: addictions or pornography absolutely it's my pleasure and thank you for having me Ryan
0: I am so thankful for Ben's heart and his passion uh, to help churches and to help people in this area of sexual addictions and pornography Um, guys if if one thing if you walk away one thing I want you to walk away with is try to partner find ways to partner with parents in this issue uh, to train them on this topic and uh, by helping parents and my training parents you're ultimately going to be helping uh, students in this aspect as well uh, another thing is is i would recommend uh, you taking to heart is don't try to find freedom in this area uh, if you're a guy don't try to find freedom in this area uh, because by trying to be have quote unquote Freedom in this area can open up doors for you for temptation and for mistakes. And I would even encourage you to talk to your parents and talk to your teens with that as well uh, about having protections and safeguards on devices. But ultimately, ultimately, it's really about the student's heart, where they're at. And again, that happens in a process of discipleship, Uh one-on-one discipleship small groups discipleship and that's ultimately what's going to combat this problem of sexual addictions you can put safeguards around all you want to but it comes down to the heart Uh, so find ways again to partner with parents and train parents in this issue to help you in your ministry to combat this problem of sexual addictions guys um i want to thank you for tuning in if you if you are listening and you may and it happens to be a few weeks break after this once this episode rolls out uh that may be because uh, my area may have been hit by a hurricane um so so don't panic if you don't see episodes next week on the episode next week pop up then be because we got hit by a hurricane so guys uh I would ask that you pray for our community, pray for those communities that are being impacted uh, by uh, the Ryan that's coming up, this hurricane. Uh, Pray for those communities, pray for the states that are being impacted. Uh, Again, don't panic if there's not an episode next week, but stay tuned to the next episode.